to Acts chapter 18 this morning and just uh, find that. Put your finger there, put a piece of paper there, something. I will get there eventually. But it's good to be with you, and thank you all for your faithful support. And it's always good to see friends again. And uh, some of you I do remember from the last time I was here. Sorry my wife cannot be here. I told the group last night, last summer we celebrated 50 years together. I was just a kid when she married me. I married an older lady. <clears throat> but uh, I had to. At my age, I had Anyway, <laughs> we've been married a long time. We've enjoyed every, every moment of it. God's been so good to us. Last week, I, I had another celebration. I finished 53 years of being a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I was a little boy from a broken home. My dad left, and I was never around him. And my grandparents reared me. And I didn't grow up in a church like this, but I, I knew that the Lord loved me and I was saved. And then when I was 16, He called me to preach. So now you all know how, about how old I am. But anyway, uh, 53 years, most of ours, most of our traveling, most of my preaching has not been in English. So if, uh, if I say something in a different language, forgive me. I already am speaking another language for a lot of you all. <clears throat> so I hope that uh, I could preach in French if you all would like it. <clears throat> I could preach in Wolof, but I know that y'all don't dig Wolof. So I'll just stay with Hillbilly, and I hope you get that all right. <clears throat> all right, Acts chapter 18. Now I will get there, but I got to tell you, uh, it's a couple of little stories. I, I, I don't know when I developed this, but in, <clears throat> because God gives us so many stories, people think I would run out, but I keep getting new ones. And I got to tell you two little things, and <clears throat> I'll try to get through this in a hurry, but some I, I may have told it the last time I was here, probably did, I don't remember, but when Linda and I went to the mission field, we went to Africa. We spent a year and a half in France studying French, moved to Senegal. That's northwest Africa, Muslim country, desert. Sahara, and uh, we'd spent a, all that time learning French. Not one neighbor we had spoke French. We had learned another language. <clears throat> and then we were witnessing the people. And by the way, the Muslim people there were very friendly, hospitable. They would come up to us and ask questions. It was not hard to witness people there. So eventually they came, some, some of the folks said, uh, would you come out to our village and teach us the Bible? Would I? So we went out to this village, and we started our first Bible study in a hut. You could stand up and touch both walls. It was 110 degrees, 120 degrees. People kept coming in. I was Water was running, dripping off my nose, running down my back. And I said, folks, we can't do this anymore. I can't breathe it. So we moved out, and for two years, we called it the First Baptist Tree. We met under a tree for two years. And people got saved. Now, there are people that think, well, Muslim people can't get saved. Oh, yes, they can. They are all across the world. And some people got saved. But then we had a little dilemma. We lived in the desert, so there's no river nearby. There's no ocean nearby. There, there's no, the water comes out of deep wells. So people get saved. What is, what's the first step in biblical obedience? They had to be baptized. But when you don't have a river and you don't have a baptistry and you don't have a, the ocean, what do you do? Well, I was struggling with that. And the Africans came and said, Pastor, we're going to plant our fields. It's going to rain. So 10 months of the year there, it didn't rain a drop. 
in a couple of months it rained real hard. A few thunderstorms would come up. And it, they were right. It rained and it poured and the water, the whole world changed. The crops came up. The flowers started to bloom and water ran down in some low spots. And I told Linda, honey, we got water. We got to baptize. It won't be there long. So we advertised it and all these Muslims and people came out to watch. Now you have to picture, I was in my early 20s. I know you can't imagine this, but I had a head full of curly hair. Waving, wavy hair. It was waving goodbye. But I had it back then. So we had te- we, we had planned it. Everybody came out to watch. We had testimonies of the new Christians. I gave a little message. We sang some songs. And I waited out. Now you've heard this part of the story already. I waited out in that little pond. Nervous. My knees were knocking. I'd never done it before. And, but I thought, I saw Dr. Lee Robertson do it. I can do it if he can. So my first person comes in. I baptize him. I got him down, got him up, didn't drop him. I can do this. Well, he started out, and I motioned for the next person to come in. And it had never entered my thought, but the next person in line was a lady. And they were farming people. Most of them had two, two rows. One they wore to town and to church, and one they wore every day in the fields. And they wear long wraparound skirts. But I motioned for that lady to come, and she came. She just took her robe and pulled it right over the top of her head and handed it to her neighbor. neighbor. Now, you have to picture, I'm standing way back out there like where the door's at, watching her come thinking, Dr. Robertson never told me what I'm supposed to do now. <clears throat> People used to ask me, well, what did you do? And I said, I never showed those slides. <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> I've told that story when in my college classes, and y'all have heard it more than once. But there's, another, there's more to that story. Just not so long ago, I had an email from a a fellow missionary that works out in that part of the world, a lady that's been doing Bible translation for years. She said, Brother Godfrey, and I hadn't heard from her for 15, 20 years. She said, I thought you'd want to know this. She said, do you remember Sheh and Jai? Man, do I remember Sheh and Jai. That was one of the first men that I ever won to the Lord there. The first man I ever baptized in Africa. And Marilyn, the missionary, she said, the other day, he was giving his testimony in the church you started. Now, I want you to think with me. 40, almost 45 years ago, when we went down there, they had never heard the name of Christ. They knew the name of Jesus, but nobody. there were no Christians, never, didn't have no idea what a Baptist was, knew nothing about the Bible. Sheh was the, one of the first men that got saved, the first man ever baptized. Now, I told that story over the years because of the... I was shocked, you know, I wasn't prepared for that first experience. But she said Sheh was giving his testimony in that church he started, and his son in Galban is the pastor. I don't know if you can know what that does to the heart of a missionary. That little boy, pastor, he was about six years old, and we won him to Christ back in the early 70s. He's now the pastor of the church. Sheh is an old man now, and Marilyn said, this, these are her words, he was giving his testimony and he was waxing eloquent. 
She said he's usually real bashful and shy and doesn't talk a lot. But he said he was giving his testimony. He said, yeah, back in the old days, when Asan Ba came out here, they couldn't say Godfrey, so they gave me an African name. Back in the old days, when Asan Ba came down here, we didn't have to have concrete baptistries to baptize people in. He just took us out in the pond, plucked us down in the muck with the turtles. <laughs> you know... You know what it does to the heart of a missionary when you hear that somebody you won to Christ over 40 years ago is still faithful in church and giving testimony? Your heart just, oh man, it's so excited. Well, that's the desert. We lived up there for 16 years in that place, and then we were asked to pray about going to the Congo. Back in the 90s, they were in the middle of trouble and fighting, and we moved out 500 kilometers in the jungle, mountains, jungle, crocodiles, snakes everywhere, Told a little bit about that last night, and uh, we got in 1993. We got, we were had to evacuate because of the fighting, and came back to America. I lost 40 pounds through that episode, living out there, uh, eating fruit and wild stuff. And I won't tell you what we ate, but it was good. We ate termites for dessert. I will tell you that they're sweet like honey. Anyway, I got to go back. It's been about three years ago now, I think. Our young Africa director, Eric Bowman, went with me. He had raised support to go there. They were on the plane flying there to work with us when fighting started again. They killed the French ambassador in Kinshasa, the capital city, shut the whole country down. Their plane had to come back to America, and they ended up going to East Africa. I got to go back to the place that we had worked, out in the jungle. I wish I had time to tell you the whole story. When the missionaries went there, they'd never seen a white person, never heard of Christ. And they won over 10,000 people to Christ before they died. My wife and I had the privilege of going back there. But we had to leave and hadn't been back for over 20 years. But I got to go back and uh, so much I could tell you. But two days and two nights, we flew two days and got to the capital. And we're riding in an old Toyota Land Cruiser high mileage, the back seats looked at each other about that much padding, packed full of people in our suitcases, and and I was not feeling good. I was kind of half sick. Well, I was not half. I was sick. And we were riding. The second night, we're getting closer to where we used to live, and it was in no electricity, so there's no street lights. It's dark. We were riding along top of the top of the mountain up there, and I started hearing a noise. And I said to the African pastor, Pastor Mukelku, Pastor, what is that noise I hear? He said, Pastor Jonas, they know you're coming. And we would drive in this village down a dirt road, and the Christians were lined up down both sides of the road with palm fronds, singing hymns. <laughs> and by that time, before I ever got out, I was bawling like a baby. And people kept coming in, and they would we'd we'd go to the center of the village, and they would all come. And uh, you do it differently there. You shake hands, and you knock heads three times. <laughs> you've never knocked one of those sweaty heads in the night. You've never really lived. But they would they would come in, and they would wait for me to greet them and share something with them, and have a prayer with them, and get back in the vehicle and drive on to the next village, and it would be the same thing. And by the, again, my, I was so emotional. 
we finally get near where we used to live. You drive down a mountain, cross a river, going up the other side of the mountain, a four-wheel drive churning along three or four mile an hour, and halfway up the mountain, the people there where we live were waiting on them. And they started falling in behind that vehicle, following us, singing. And uh, I knew it was going to be emotional, but I had no idea. I got out. People were coming in, coming in. But at night, they brought out two chairs. Brother Bowman sat down and I sat. They were come, Pastor, you won me to Christ. Pastor, you baptized me down there in the pond. I, I like the way we baptize out there. We baptize three people at a time. We go out in the pond, two African pastors and myself, and the deacons would bring us three short people. We'd baptize three. And then we'd take a step deeper water, they'd bring us three a little taller, three more. And we'd baptize 35, 40, 50 people at a time out there. It's one of those places where you can see somebody saved every, every day if you want to. If you're out preaching in busy, wonderful place, poor people, but great Great folk and great friends. Anyway, Pastor, you woman of Christ. Pastor, you baptized me. Pastor, you taught me the Bible. And uh, so we went to bed that night in a mud hut, in a mud house, Brother Bowman, and all our group traveling with us. And the next day, I'm showing Brother Bowman around the village where he, he raised support to come there and work. So he felt like he left a little bit of his heart down there. So I got I to gotta pause just a moment to tell you. We have five, five kids who are all grown, but the three younger kids who live with us there in the jungle, Benita, Lydia, and Robert. So I'm taking Brother Bowman around, and we go to this, this house. Pastor, Pastor Jonas, come over here. Pastor, you've got to meet. This is our daughter, Bonita. And we go to the next place. Pastor, come over here. This is our daughter, Lydia. Pastor, this is Robert. This is right. I have no idea. There are dozens and dozens and dozens of little African kids out in the middle of Congo <laughs> named Benita Lee and Robert. Now, I'm telling you these stories just to remind you, is it worth praying for the missionaries you support and sending, and sending their support? And I'm just telling you, if you would go with me where I get to go and see what God's doing around the world, you wouldn't question giving and praying and encouraging. So there's my story. God's still working. Linda and I are getting, we're getting younger. I'm not as old as your pastor. No, I'm joking. <laughs> no, I, okay, I'm sorry. I can't help it. Uh, we're not so young anymore, but we have the privilege of getting to go out around the world with our missionaries. We've been in, I've been over in over 40 countries now. Nobody would believe this. I don't really like to travel, but I love what I do. I love to get out. Uh, last year, might have been a year before last, we did something we never dreamed we'd ever do. We, we saw somebody saved now on six different continents. Not countries, continents. We grew up in South Carolina. We never thought we'd leave there. We thought a long trip was up the mountain to Asheville, <laughs> 45 minutes away. And then God saved us and brought us together and let us travel the world. Now, Y'all thought I forgot Acts 18, didn't you? All right, I'm back in I'm in Acts chapter 18. Uh, my message really is based on one verse, and it's, it won't be a long message. But in Acts chapter 18, I want to share something with with you this morning. I think will help you. I want to talk about serving God without being dominated by fear. Now, I, some people would say 
you should preach it, serving God and never be afraid. I, I can't say that. You know why I can't say that? Because the truth is that every one of us at some point of time in our lives, and it might be right now, we're afraid. We're facing some things that are different and, and whatever it is, it might be sickness, it might be some particular thing you're afraid of. I'm not going to ask you what you're afraid of. Uh, Linda and I were flying back from the Philippines one time and got to Detroit. There was a group of ladies in the waiting room and they were sweet Adelines. You know what that is? Female barbershop music. And they were going to, to Furman University in Greenville to do a concert. And we boarded the plane, small plane. My wife was not, looked at our boarding passes. She wasn't beside me. She was in front of me. So she had a sweet Adeline beside her, and I had a sweet Adeline beside me. And I started witnessing to the one beside me, and she said, Sir, I, I am terrified of taking off. Would it be all right if I hold your hand while we take off? <laughs> I said, It's all right. My wife won't mind a bit. <laughs> Linda turned around and waved at her. <laughs> well, not only did she hold my hand, we got up in the air, and every time that plane bounced, she hugs me. I mean, she's so terrified. And everybody was listening to me tell her why she didn't need to be afraid like that. But anyway, I'm going, to I'm going to share some thoughts with you about serving God without being dominated by fear. You see, Paul, the great missionary, uh, everywhere he went, he stirred up trouble. In fact, the chapter before this says that they that have turned the world upside down have come here also. And he had arrived now, he had left Athens in verse 1 of Acts 18, and he's come to this city of Corinth, a new place for him, a new city, very a large city, a very important city in the Roman Empire. And he, he gets there, and as soon, I'm not going to read the verses, but as soon as he got there, and he started reasoning in the synagogue every Sabbath, persuaded the Jews and the Greeks, and uh, the, not everyone liked that message. And, and a lot of people resisted his ministry there and other places he went. But if you look down in verse 8, and Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his house and many of the Corinthians. Now watch this. This is the Bible order about salvation. Hearing, believed, and were baptized. That's the way it works, folks. Somebody shares the gospel with us, either in the pulpit or out, maybe at your house or a co-worker. They heard the gospel. The good news in Jesus Christ. They believed Christ. They were, their lives were saved. And then they were baptized. But then in verse 9 it says, Then spake the Lord to Paul. And let me just pause right there a moment. Aren't you glad that God speaks? Look, folks, this book we have in our hands, this is God's Word to us. God speaks. God still calls people. God still woos people by the Holy Spirit. If you're not saved this morning and you're here, not not J.B. Godfrey, but the Holy Spirit is saying, you, you can be saved today. It's the greatest thing in the world. It's not being religious. A lot of people get confused. Religion sends more people to hell than anything in the world. Religion is nothing in the world but pride. Look at me. Hey, I pray more than you pray. I go to church more than you go to church. I give more. Now look, if you believe that, you'll never go to heaven. Because in order to go to heaven, you have to understand that you you don't, you cannot do anything to deserve it. Jesus did it all. He paid, he paid the debt. If you trust Him, He'll save you. So anyway, here was Paul in this new place, and God spoke to him, 
in the, in the night by vision. And here's what God said to Paul. Be not afraid, but speak and hold not thy peace. Paul, don't be afraid, he says. But I love the Lord because the next verse is this. These are my thoughts. In fact, they, it's outlined for me. There's no alliteration. But then God told Paul why he didn't need to be afraid. For I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. I have a friend. I got a lot of friends. Aren't you glad for friends? We had a good time last night. If you did miss it, you did miss not just a great meal and all that, but camaraderie, fellowship, good time together. I've got a friend. He's a, he's a missionary now in Spain. He was a Marine Corps captain. He was an officer in the Marine Corps. And he was stationed not so long ago. Actually, he was still in Iraq. He was in Baghdad. And he, his job, he was the head of a team of other officers, a multi-branch team of officers. So we, you had the Navy guys. A lot of you guys here I know. So you had the Navy and the Army and the Air Force and the Marines. They were all had some representatives. And their job was to go out and inspect the, the buildings, the outposts in that area. So they'd gone out that day and they had a brand new army major. Part of, they'd just been moved into that team. So they're out and they're, they're standing at this building, inspecting the building, and all of a sudden, a bullet hits right beside them. They moved over a little bit. <clears throat> another bullet struck and another one. And they end up going on, on the other side of the house thinking, God, Iraqi snipers were not too accurate. Well, they had been doing that all that day and they came back uh, to the office and did what military do. They fill out reports. So they're in the office in Baghdad filling out all those reports and everyone else had filled theirs out and they'd gone away except for the brand new army major, my friend Captain Helton. And the, the major looks over at Brother Helton and says, Hey, hey, Cap, can I ask you a question? He said, Well, sure. He said, We were standing out there today and those bullets were plucking all around us. Were you ever afraid? Brother Helton said, Sir, <clears throat> I'm a Marine. But I would lie if I said I was never afraid. But here's what I will tell you. If one of those bullets had hit me, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt I would have found myself in the presence of my Savior. The major said, are you serious about that? And Captain Helton said, I've never been more serious about anything in, in all my life. I belong to Christ. He saved my soul. And that day, just a few years back, in an office in Baghdad, an army major fell down on his knees and asked Christ to save. <laughs> Can you serve God without being dominated by fear? We all have fears. I mean, we fear going to the doctor and hearing that. I'm sorry to tell you that you have cancer or heart problems or whatever else your problem is. There's fear involved. Well, when you go back through the, the story here of Paul leading up to this passage, you know, missionaries, um, missionaries, they get afraid too. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Well, God's called you. Why would you be afraid? Hey, it's a fearful thing to move to some place where you can't do anything. Do you know how humiliating it is for a young American who's been busy in their church? They, they sang in the choir. They taught a Sunday school class. They did all of that. And now they go to some place that God's called them. And they can't say bonjour correctly. 
They can't speak the language. They don't know the culture. People do things differently. In Senegal, you don't point to somebody with your finger. You know where your pastor's at this morning? That's what that's the way they point. You go to Philippines, they point where they live. <laughs> you know how humiliating it is to go to somewhere to preach the gospel. You're a missionary. God's called you, and you can't tell them the gospel at all. You can't speak the language. It's scary. Everything's different. You're away from mom and daddy. How can you do that? Well, you think, well, God's not called me to be a missionary, but you are a Christian, I hope. And sometimes it's a little fearful to share the gospel with a coworker or a relative. In fact, sometimes the hardest people in the world to witness to are your brothers and sisters and moms and dads and people around you. And so here was Paul uh, in this new place. And if you go back through the book of Acts, there's a lot going on, lots of travel, lots of resistance. Everywhere the new Christians went, they had trouble. The devil fought them. People, the devil doesn't want people to get saved. He doesn't want to see this church being blessed and grow. He doesn't want that. He'll do everything he can to try to stifle it. And you, you see that. I challenge you, reread the book of Acts. Every time the preachers and the new Christians went to a different location, they had people involved in witchcraft and sorcery and idolatry and the government workers who fought them at every step of the way. They had disagreements. The missionaries did. Paul and Barnabas went out together, but before long they had a little disagreement because John Mark had quit and Paul didn't want to take that quitter with them. And Barnabas said, well, he's my nephew and I think he's a good guy. And, and Paul said, no, no, no. And they were two dedicated Christians, but had, they had a disagreement. One of them went one way one but they, they didn't become enemies because of that. Actually, God made two. Instead of one missionary team, now He makes two. Well, you see that as you go through the book of Acts. But when you come to this verse, God said to Paul, Paul, I don't want you to be afraid. You see, you have to remember, everywhere Paul went, they had ridiculed him. They threw rocks at him. They stoned him and left him for dead. They beat him. Read the description of what he went through. And here he is in this new place. And, and every time you go to a new place, it is a little bit frightening. And you want to see God bless. And the Lord speaks and he said to Paul, don't be afraid and here's why. And here's my, here's my sermon this morning. Y'all, that's my introduction. Okay, I'm sorry. <clears throat> that's my introduction. But my, my sermon's short. Because my sermon's in verse 10. God said, Paul, don't be afraid, for I am with thee. Now think with me this morning. How can you face all the struggles that you're going through in your own life, your family life, your church life? How can you do that without being full of fear? Well, if you understand this, anything you do, God's going to be with you. There's so many verses in the Bible uh, that say that in uh, Exodus chapter 3. You don't need to turn there. But I like the story because here's Moses. You remember years before Moses grew up in Egypt? He was the Pharaoh's daughter, kind of adopted him, and he grew up with the education of Egypt. And then he got in trouble and he had to flee. 
And now he's, he's been back on the backside of the desert for 40 years working as a shepherd. And in Exodus 3, God speaks to Moses out of the burning bush. And Moses, Moses. And, and so God says, look, Moses, I'm going to send you back down to Egypt. And uh, Moses said to God in verse number 11, And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go? You ever felt that way? A boy, I knew he, he was born in California, but he, he adopted the South. Lord, you sure you want me to go to Nevada? It can be a scary, a scary time. Lord, who am I? Why don't you call one of these big, that's all right, if I fall on my bald head, it would be, I'd blame him for it. It would be a, It would be a scary thing for me to go, why don't you call somebody else? Who am I? Some of you are thinking this morning, God would never have me to be a preacher. God wouldn't have me teach a Sunday school class. God wouldn't have me to be involved in the work of the ministry. Can I say you might be the very one God's looking for? Because God doesn't need a bunch of big egos. He doesn't need a lot of people to think they can do it. He needs somebody who will say, Lord... Who am I? But you know God's answer to him? It's interesting to me. God didn't really give him an answer. Except, here's what God said. And God said, certainly I will go with thee. The Lord says, Moses said, who am I that I should go? God said, don't worry about that. Wherever you go, I'll go with you. The book of Isaiah says, when thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. Through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned. The great commission, when Jesus told his disciples to go in all the world and preach the gospel, involved, included in that great commission is the word of Christ. Lo, I am with thee always, even unto the end of the world. My wife, I wish she was here. She had her brother, one of her brother's wife died last Sunday. And Linda wasn't able to get back in time to go to the funeral. She also has a physical tomorrow and injections around her eyes then after that. But So she's back in Tennessee at the moment. And I, uh, she's followed me in some of the roughest places in the world. I told the group last night, I know most American ladies would have never, they would never marry me. Because, uh, because she didn't know at the time I was going to take her to the Sahara and then down in the jungle. Can you? Ladies, imagine what it would be like to live in a place where you didn't... For nine months, my wife didn't have a stove. You wrap fish in banana leaves and cleaned them and put some salt and pepper, hot pepper down in there and grilled them in the ashes of the fire. We'd been there through all that fighting. Nobody knew we were alive. We got no money, no mail. Nine months into that, I went into the capital to get, to get money and supplies Took me five days to get there. When I got there, fighting started. The Christians would not let me leave for five weeks. For five weeks, my wife and our three little kids, younger kids, were up in the jungle 300 miles from me, 500 kilometers, and I couldn't get back up there for five weeks. And you think, well, I couldn't do that. But can I remind you, God said to Paul, don't be afraid, because I'm with you. You know, one of the greatest struggles that we folk in America have. Loneliness. You know, you can be lonely in a crowd. 
You can be lonely people all around you. But why would we be lonely when we're never really alone? Because God gave us a promise. I, I love the verses. Uh, there's a verse in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5 where the Lord said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Can you serve the Lord without being full of fear? Sure you can because He said, I am with thee. That's my first point. Somebody say amen. amen. All right, I'm working on this thing. Number two, He said, you don't have to be afraid because no man shall set on thee to, to hurt thee. Hebrews 13, 6 says, uh, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. <clears throat> you have fears? Well, I couldn't go there. I couldn't do that. I couldn't stand up and sing with the choir. I couldn't do those. Yes, you can. Because no, no one can really harm you if you're doing what God wants you to do. I'm not going to repeat the stories I told last night about my wife and the kids and the snakes. and the, We had snakes everywhere. I killed a snake every day. We had prayer meeting every morning in our church at 6 o'clock in the morning. Now, we had 12 hours of daylight all year round. We were just below the equator. At 6 every morning, we had over 100 people come to church to pray before they went to their fields. And almost every day, some lady stood up and said, I was headed to my field yesterday morning. There was a big snake down there. God took care of me. God protected me. Well, it might not be a snake. <clears throat> it might be, it might be fear of change. How I many of you don't like to change? You just. My wife says she likes her rut. You know, when we left Senegal to go to the Congo, uh, it was hard for her. It was harder for her than for me to switch. We went down there, got caught up in that fighting. We had to leave there and came back, and we. Beca I became pastor of my own home church for nine years. <clears throat> and then <clears throat> we were asked, would you pray about coming back, going to the Far East? And uh, I said to Dr. Sis, you've been in the sun too long. I'm an African. We're Africans. We speak French, Wolof, Kikongo, and some Arabic. You want me to go to Japan and China and Philippines? And there's no way. To, that doesn't make sense. It's not logical. My wife, <clears throat> she wouldn't mind me saying this. It was hard for her. We had a great church. She was, she was a, an ideal pastor's wife. She loved the ladies. She listened to them. She was discreet. She just, God was blessing. People were being saved. The church was growing. God was calling people into missions. I had no reason to leave. And now would you pray about coming back? And I struggled with it myself. In seven months, we prayed and agonized. And God, what do you want us to do? And finally, I did the hardest thing I ever did in my life. Nineteen years ago, I stood up in front of my church and resigned. I was pastor of a great church, salary, insurance. My kids went free to the school. The next day, I'm Far East Field Director at BIMI. I had no income. I hadn't been a missionary for nine years. I had no income. Of all, my wife followed me to the jungle. She never complained. She never complained about that either, but probably one of the things that scared her worse than anything in the world is how are we going to live? Well, God said, hey, look, I'm, I'm with you, and no one or no thing can harm you as long as you're doing what I'm telling you to do. In 1990, Dr. Don Sisk and Brother Ron Bragg and a small group went with me out in the jungle, <clears throat> and uh, there's a long story, I won't tell you that, but we were traveling uh, in this big old truck left over World War II, troop carrier. 
and it sat about that high off the ground. We had 15 barrels of fuel, trunks on top of the barrels, suitcases on top of that, and we're sitting on top of that. The truck wasn't running right. We had to work on it. We're going up in the, in the night. Now, you have to picture Friday night. We're, we're, we're going up this mountain and got about way, halfway up the mountain, and the engine on the truck stopped running. The driver is in a dead panic. He's trying to get it cranked, and he finally got it going. And uh, for you young people, you won't understand this, but your older ones will. He let the clutch out. Now think, if you're going up a mountain in a truck that's loaded down, everything on that everything on that truck slid back a foot. Every rope broke. Stuff went everywhere, and people too. And I looked back, and I couldn't find out sis. And I thought, I've just killed my director. Thankfully, it's sandy soil there. So we got out, and we're looking at that truck thing. We're not going to get back on it until we hit a level spot. So now we're walking, 95 degrees, 100% humidity, walking behind the truck, lugging our suitcases and trunks. We got up to the top of this mountain, drove in a village, and just like that, the moment we drove in there, we were surrounded by bandits with guns, machetes, clubs. <laughs> Dr. Sis said, interpret for me. I started to interpret, and the bandit said, tell him to shut his mouth, I'll blow his brains out. <laughs> Dr. Sis, these were his words. He said, I felt strangely led to comply. <laughs> now you say, Brother God, why are you telling us these stories? Because obviously God took care of us that night. And we went on to our village and saw hundreds of people saved. Well, let me give you one last thought. Serve the Lord. You don't have to be afraid. For I am with thee. No man shall set on thee to hurt thee. But then here's what his, his third point was. For I have a lot of people. I have much people in this city. Now we had God's presence. We have God's protection. Now we have God's potential. You see, dear friend, when God puts you someplace to do something for him, you're not wasting your time. God said to Paul, you stay right here. It's hard. You stay here. I have a lot of people in this city. I wish I had the time to tell you about missionaries all over the world. Tonight I'll talk a little bit about Papua New Guinea and going there. But let me tell you just about one. I could tell you about a dozen. Let me tell you about one. Russell Turner. Nobody here has heard that name, Russell Turner. He was a missionary for 50 years plus down in the Caribbean Islands, Cayman Brack, Cayman Islands. Last year, about this time last year, Russell Turner went to heaven. Well, Russell Turner was a pig farmer in Greenville, South Carolina. God called him and his wife. They called her Bobby. I don't know what her name was. All I've ever heard is Bobby. They, Russell and Bobby, they surrendered to go to the mission field. He was a pig farmer, and he kept saying, Lord, if, I, if you'll help me sell this pig farm, I will go to the mission field. Back then, missionaries didn't raise a lot of support. They just kind of went. And so, But his farm, nobody wanted to buy it. He, it wouldn't sell. It wouldn't sell. It wouldn't sell. Finally, one day, Russell looked at his wife, Bobby, and said, Honey, uh, go pack your bags. We're going to the mission field. And he signed the title, the deed, to Tabernacle Baptist Church and Dr. Harold Seitler. And he walked across the street from his pig farm, and he gave the deed to that property to Dr. Seitler. And most people have no idea that pig farm is the site of Tabernacle Children's Home where it's been all these years. 
Russell Turner and Bobby went to came on back. Last year he died. Everybody down there knows them. They've witnessed everybody. A lot of people got saved. When he died last year, he just died that morning. He's still in the house. His wife Bobby's there. This man came up knocking on the door. He didn't know Brother Turner had just died. This guy's name's Raymond, big burly sailor. He owned ships that transported goods back and forth between the islands. And, and every time Brother Russell Turner would see him, he said, Raymond, you need to get saved. Raymond, have you trusted Christ yet? And Raymond never did. That morning, Brother Turner just had died. Raymond showed up, knocked on the door. He saw Miss Turner. He said, uh, I, just, I just came by. I want to see Pastor Turner one more time and shake his hand. And, and Bobby said to him, Raymond, the only way you're ever going to shake Pastor Turner's hand is if you do it in heaven because he just went to glory. And Mrs. Turner, Bobby Turner, invited that rough big sailor into her home and led him to Christ there and came on back a year ago almost to this day. You know, you see, when God calls you to some place and you're trying to figure out, why would God want me to do that? Why would God want me to go to Bible college? Why would God want me to be a preacher, be a missionary, to work in the church? I don't know. God's God. He does what He wants to. But when you do what God wants you to do, there is a potential that's unbelievable. These folk, they could have, they could have stayed in South Carolina. They could have stayed in Charleston, one of the prettiest places in the world. God didn't want them in Charleston. God said, go to Nevada. <laughs> now, if God had told me that, I would say, Lord, are you sure? Anyway, I love you all, but why would they leave the place they were at and where God was blessing and come away? Well, I'll tell you why they did it. Because when God puts a burden on your heart, you, you better do it. <laughs> if you do it, you'll enjoy it. It's not always easy. But God said, stay here. Don't be full of fear. Because I have many people in this place. And dear Lord, I pray this morning for this church and these people. <clears throat> They've listened to me.